Welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Ruth Browning. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. love your word, Father. We love the word of God and we pray, Father, that you would speak to us. We would learn something. We would move forward, Father, in our journey with you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Hallelujah. Bless God. Yes, the life of Peter. Morning, everyone. Great to see you through the camera. I imagine you there. Great to see a couple of people here. Great, always great to see the Cherkovs back. Hi guys. <laughs> um, we love having them in our church. So useful. You guys are so useful. Hope your kids turn out to be. Are you guys going to be useful? Like your mum and dad? Yes, of course you are. Praise the Lord. So, the life of Peter. So, today we're going to look at Peter's training. Peter was a disciple. He was chosen, along with his brother Andrew, to be a disciple with Jesus. And to be a disciple, the word literally means a learner. Think of when we're all learner drivers. We were learning. And Peter was learning. So the way he did that and the way Jesus taught all of his disciples was just to get them to follow him around. Just follow me around, guys, and watch what I do. So that's exactly what Peter did. He, he followed around. He listened to Jesus. Jesus would teach them. He watched Jesus. Jesus would heal people and Peter would watch along with the other disciples. And they would ask great questions. Teacher, teach us to pray. What a brilliant question. How, how do we pray? We should, we should all be asking someone that question. If the, the great apostle Peter had to ask it, Believe me, so do we, because sometimes these things are confusing. So a disciple learns, learns, learns. And let's be sure, just right from the beginning of of looking at Peter's life and what we can learn from him is that we have that same attitude. I want to learn. I want to be a disciple, which means I will listen. I will ask questions. I will learn. I will ask questions of God. I will ask questions of everyone in church. If I can see anyone who's better at something than me, how do you do that? How do you heal the sick? How do you pray? What do you do? Let's humble ourselves to learn as Peter learnt. Now, Peter, um, I, I, love, I mean, you've got to love Peter. He was passionate, headstrong. He was a leader. He was often the spokesman for the other disciples. He was probably the sort of guy that, went quickly. I just imagine Peter moved quickly, you know, heavy footstep kind of guy, just just right in there. And he actually needed quite a lot of training, as we can see. We're going to look at a few instances in his life at the moment. But he needed to be trained to be like Jesus, to be to still be strong and courageous, but to be tender and gentle as well. To be Committed and faithful, but also patient and full of love. 
So let's look at a few of these, uh, just three or four instances in his life where we see how Jesus trained him and I think that we can learn from some of these lessons as well. So the first uh, situation I want to look at is just his family life. Now we know that he was, Andrew was his brother and we know that he lived with Andrew because at one stage Jesus went to visit the house of Peter and Andrew. But we also know that Peter was married. Yes, he was. We know that he was married and we know that at one point uh, Jesus visited his house and his mother-in-law was there as well. <laughs> so, you know, multi-generational family. I'm sure there was a lot of lessons to learn in that family. And uh, the mother-in-law was sick, you know, and Jesus is coming for a meal. I guess one day we'll, we'll sort of, God will show, you know, pull back the veil and show us what it was like. Was, G was Peter glad that you know, Jesus was able to heal his mother-in-law or was it a little bit annoying that she was sick? It was like, oh, I just want to impress Jesus, you know, in my house. We don't know. But we do know that Jesus, of course, healed her. Beautiful Jesus, very patient. And we imagine that Peter had to learn a lot about how to be married, how to have a wife and follow Jesus because he actually left his wife, his mother-in-law, and his home to be with Jesus for extended periods of time. We know that Jesus visited, so I'm sure he visited, but there would have been some interesting times for him then. And it's most likely that he had children as well because most people did have children in those days unless there was something wrong. And traditionally it is said that he, his son was Ignatius, who was a, a minister and a martyr, and possibly Petronella, a, a daughter, who was another martyr. But not a lot is said about his children, or for that matter, any of the disciples' children, which I think is interesting because, you know, God wants each of us to stand on our own merits and just, you can't just go, oh, my dad's a pastor, so I'm good. It's like, no, you, you need to be right with Jesus too. So we don't know much about his, about his, um, his, family life in some ways, but we do know this. Later on in 1 Peter, he spoke beautifully about how to be a great wife and a great husband. And he would have only done that because he knew how to do it. So I'm sure that in that, that time with Jesus, he learned how to be a great husband. He observed what a great wife is like. And actually, his wife came with him. So she obviously supported him and believed in the ministry as well. We know that she travelled with him because Paul mentions it in 1 Corinthians 9.5, that Peter and some of the other disciples had their wives with them. But he, one of the things he said, which I love in 1 Peter, was husbands, live with your wives with knowledge, with understanding. Understand your wives and have knowledge and be aware of what makes them tick and how to be a great husband so that your prayers aren't hindered. Beautiful. And spoken by a man who really had learnt how to be a great family man. So I love that he was a family man. We know that he stopped working so because um, he, he, he left his, his boats. And an interesting little moment in Matthew 17, 27, he, he needed to pay his tax. So I have this vision of how did Peter know he needed to pay his tax? He's just like, yeah, praising God, getting people healed. Yeah, Jesus. I just, I might be wrong. We don't know. But I just have a vision of the wife saying, um, Peter, I'm, I've been doing the books and 
we need to pay tax. Like, we're going to get, you know, I, I don't know why. I just have a feeling it might have been the wife. Maybe not, but I have a feeling that the wife said, Peter, can you just, I, I, no, it's great, but we've got, to, we've got to pay tax. And so Jesus just says, you know, of course Jesus does it miraculously. Go and hook up a fish, pull up the fish, and it says that uh, Peter, Jesus, it says that he got the coin out of the fish's mouth. I mean, it's just a bizarre and miraculous and wonderful moment. And it said that, they pay, he paid Jesus' tax and Peter's. I love that. I love that. Just trust. When you follow Jesus, and perhaps it may mean that you leave your job altogether, as it did for Chris and myself, but it doesn't usually mean that. Often we can work and continue our job. But it might mean that sometimes, you know, we don't work on a Sunday because we're serving the Lord or or we don't take that promotion because it means we just don't have time to be with our family. So we might make decisions that affect our finances, but we can trust Jesus that he will provide through the mouth of a fish. <laughs> I don't know, probably not. But in any case, he provides abundantly for us in our family world. So we know Peter had a family and we know this, that he, while he had a family, and I'm sure that that mattered to him and I'm sure that when he wrote his, his letters, he wrote sincerely on how to be a good husband. But he said these amazing words. Matthew 19, 27. Peter answered, him and, Peter answered and said to Jesus, See, we have left all and followed you. Therefore, what shall we have? And Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. What great scripture. Peter had left everything. He didn't leave, leave his wife, but he certainly wasn't with her a lot of the time and he knew that his priority was following Jesus. And it's the same for us. We don't necessarily leave our, our family, but we might. Physically, we might go on a missions trip we might leave them emotionally. They might, our family might be pursuing a different path and they might think, oh, you know, you go to church every Sunday. And emotionally and relationally, we have to leave that, their way of doing things. We may leave houses. We might, leave, we might sell up and move to the Central Coast to come to this church because <laughs> it's a great church. <laughs> If God, but if God calls you to, please do. If he doesn't, then don't. But you know what I'm saying? I mean, he certainly called Chris and me to leave Sydney and come and live here, which we did. He, he, we sold our house and, you know, went as missionaries to Russia. And you, we have to be willing to leave, whether it's leave, actually physically leave or emotionally or relationally leave. Sometimes we have to be willing to do that. But Jesus is very clear. I love that Peter is not afraid to say, what, what do we get? Like, listen to that. Therefore, what should we have? So we've left everything. So what are we going to get, Jesus? Like, Peter wasn't kind of like, oh, oh no, I just do it because I love you, Jesus. It's like, no, I want to know <laughs> what's the reward. And Jesus didn't sort of say, don't ask that, Peter. He said, no, in, for you particularly, you're going to judge the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, I think that's just for the, the 12 apostles. 
But everyone, everyone receives a hundredfold. Like we get back so much blessing for everything that we give. So let's learn what Peter learned. Let's be committed like he's committed and passionate and trust him with our family, with our tax, our finances, and with our lives as we're committed to him. Let's learn that example and be like, you know, I love, um, I love the stories. I'm, I love reading stories about missionaries and men and women of God who just left everything. And one of my favourites, of course, is C.T. Studd, who you've heard me speak about before. Um, a wealthy young man who was a cricketer for England. To this day, his name is written on the urn of the ashes because he played for England in the first match in the, in the first match that, was, that England lost against Australia and that became the Ashes urn. Um, and his name is there on the, on the urn. So he was, he was a pretty happening guy. He was famous, he was rich, he was a great cricketer. But he gave up everything to follow Jesus. He just gave it all up and become a missionary in India and Africa. And I just love that at one point he... he Left, he'd already left his wife a couple of times, but this final time, he went when he went into the heart of Africa, he was away from his wife and children for 13 years, and he saw her only for two weeks. Oh. So he wrote this beautiful letter when they said goodbye. It's very hard to preach when you're emotional. <laughs> oh dear. Well, my darling, I have tears of joy at the way God comforted you when we departed. And now let us thank him in anticipation, not only with our lips, but by our lives. I admire you, my darling, and shall ever do so. And God will give us his hundredfold. And the result and honour must be according to the magnitude of the sacrifice. Don't be anxious. The Lord will be victor and he will bring us into a wealthy place. Isn't that beautiful? Beautiful letter. Hallelujah. God bless them. All worth it. All worth it. They're together in heaven now and they're just rejoicing. So, you know, I, praise God for modern aeroplanes. You know, we don't have to leave each other for 13 years. But... Let's have that passion. We're willing to do that. All right, so Peter and his family. Let's look at Peter walking on water, Matthew chapter 14. Peter had fed the 5,000. I mean Peter. Jesus had fed the 5,000 and then he told them to go to the other side on the, on the sea while he prayed. But there was a storm and the disciples were afraid and Jesus turns up walking on water. <laughs> I'm just like, okay. Oh, Jesus is so cool. He just does such random things. And they thought it was a ghost. And he's like, no, no, take courage. It's me. And then Peter, classic, confident, maybe a little bit of bravado, a little bit like, okay, Jesus, if you want me to, I'll come too. Let, let me come. I want to do it too kind of thing. So he, Jesus says, all right. Come on. So he does. He jumps out, walks on water for a minute and then goes, oh my goodness, what am I doing? And the minute he looks away from Jesus and looks at 
the situation, he starts to sink and he cries out, Lord, save me. And Jesus reached out his hand. Here we have Matthew 14, 31. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. So I love this. I love what we can see here. Just that Peter is very bold and he's a man of action. He likes to get things, he likes to do things, he likes to have a go. And I love that we can be encouraged by Jesus' response here because, you know, he, he had a go and he kind of started to fail. And I, I, because he looked away from Jesus, maybe, maybe because it was sort of stepping out a little bit further than he, he had faith for, really, and, uh, and couldn't quite deal with it. But, you know... At least he was doing something. I mean, I like it. I love a man of action. I like men who, you know, do things and, and make decisions and, dare I say, I'm married to one, a man of action, a man who is always making decisions, a man who also has very loud steps. <laughs> he walks down the steps so loudly, our wooden steps at home, that now our grandchildren get frightened. They literally get frightened when they, you know, if I'm caring for them or, or they have visited in the past, Judy will go, oh, oh, like, what's that noise? It sounds like a herd of elephants. But um, I just need to share this story by talking about action and getting things done. He likes, I cut his hair, and as we all know at the moment, we can't go to hairdressers, so he asked me to cut his hair. And apparently he'd asked me a couple of times during the week and I was busy. He likes me to do things like pretty quick and I had said oh yeah I'll get to it later later and then the other day I was cooking he said can you come here and I go I'm just like okay I will you know he goes all right well put it in your diary at some point I'm like okay babe like I'll get I'll get to it I'll do it anyway (laughs) later the day we went for a drive and I looked across and I just went what did you have you cut your hair and he goes yes I did I cut it and I go why, why did you do that? He goes, well, you just were busy and you just didn't have time, so I just did it. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, because I want you to know it was the worst haircut that I have ever seen in my life because he just got the clippers and just – and it kind of pushed in too hard and some spots were kind of really low. And then there were sort of tufts at the back. And this section here he sort of just missed. So that was kind of like long. And, of course, he didn't do the neck because you couldn't reach. And it was like, that is – such a bad haircut like it was and I was I was actually a bit annoyed I was like babe if you're that desperate to get a haircut why didn't you tell me I would have dropped everything and given to you but anyway that was just a little thing so um it was a terrible job and I fixed it and we just went shorter so yeah when we got home I said right I will do it when we get home but my point is I mean good on him for just getting things done I like I like the general principle um, and I, no, seriously though, I really appreciate Chris because he does. He says, oh, we're going to go to Russia. Let's go to Russia. We're going to do this. Let's do it. I like a man of action. And let me encourage you if you're someone that has, is, a, is a man of action that gets things done, sometimes you might find you've stepped out a bit far and you're like, you feel like you're sinking. Maybe you took on a ministry or a new job or you've employed some new people or you've done something, you've stepped out and you're like, hang on, what? I don't know if I can handle this. Isn't the Lord good? Peter did that. 
Maybe in the future he learned to pray for a little bit longer before he did it, but that's okay because Jesus was very gracious. He saved him. He did say you could have more faith. So we've always got to work on our faith. But it's always good to keep our eyes on Jesus and know that even if we have been a bit hasty, that he's there. Jesus is there. He'll look after us, just as he looked after, after Peter. So let's look at another example. This is what I would call Peter's revelation and Peter's rebuke. Jesus spoke to them in Matthew 16. He was talking to all the disciples. Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they had various answers. Some say John the Baptist, some say this, some say that. But who do you say I am? And this is what Peter said. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever and it just keeps going more and more I haven't got time to completely cover it but praise the Lord so Peter is once again out in front of the disciples he has this fantastic revelation you're the Messiah you are you're the one you're the one we've been waiting for and, and, God, and Jesus praises him and says, well done, Peter. You, this is a revelation from God. And I pray that we're all like Peter, that we actually get revelation direct from God, whether our friends around us have it or not. Sometimes we're with people who are Christians, but then it's like they're not getting fresh revelation. But Peter had fresh revelation and he was highly praised for that. And it was just like, well done. And not only that, but Jesus does a play on his name here. He says, you are Peter, which is Petros, which is a, a little rock. And on this rock now he uses a different word, Petra, like a bedrock, a bedrock of revelation. I will build my church. So, of course, some people have said that he's actually building the church on Peter the Apostle, and I don't think that's necessarily true because they're different words, Petros and Petra. Jesus built his church on revelation, on men of God like Peter who had a revelation of Jesus. That's what the church is built on. However, at the same time that, that you know, Protestants are quick to point that out, um, it was still sort of all part of Peter's con- commendation and he would have picked up on the, on the reference to his name. So it was like, you're a stone. I'm building my church on rocks. But Peter would have felt like, yeah, like, Stones like me, like we are, we are we are living stones. The Bible says so. It was still part of Peter feeling like, and I'm going to be an integral part of that of that building, as we all are an integral part of church and of, of the church that God is building. So, praise God for men who can get revelation. We love men of action. We love men of revelation. But then, shortly afterwards. Jesus was telling the disciples that he would have to suffer and how he would suffer. And Peter says, never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. <laughs> so he's literally just told Jesus, you're the Messiah. You are the one. I worship you. You're like, I follow you. I'm, and now Peter, Jesus says, all right, well, what I've got to do is this. And Jesus goes, no, you're not going to do that, Jesus. It's like, oh, Peter, so... Headstrong and foolish sometimes, 
And Jesus' response would have to be one of the harshest rebukes I have ever heard. Matthew 16, 23, get behind me, Satan. You are an offence to me. You are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of man. It's just like, that's, I just, I, I still can't get over that rebuke. I've never used it myself. I've never spoken directly to someone, look them in the eye and say, get, get away from me, Satan. Like imagine calling someone Satan to their face. It's like, oh. I mean, obviously he was, didn't mean that Peter was actually Satan, but he was saying, you're inspired by the devil right now. Your words are straight from the pit of hell. And you're an offence to me. I suppose he meant the devil, not Peter. But Peter's looking at him just going, oh, what a, he would have withered under that rebuke. Um, so, <laughs> and I guess so what we see here is the, his inconsistency. And he, it's great to have great revelation. And I guess we can all have that at times, times when we feel like I've, I've had an incredible time of worship or I'm, I've felt the presence of God or I'm, I, I'm I, you know, moments we have like, I'm doing okay. Maybe we witness to someone and we feel like, I'm doing okay here, God. I'm like, I'm all right. I'm, I'm not so bad as a Christian. And that's, it's good to do well. But we need to stay humble because we don't want to use that as a platform for pride or as a platform to sort of start telling God what to do. Like, oh, I'll have more of that. Thank you, God. Or So there's that Jesus was teaching Peter and he's teaching us too that we have revelation and we are commended for it, but we have to stay very humble. And Jesus may say things that we don't like. And you all know this when you, you know certain Christians who one minute you just think, wow, that, you are, that's amazing. I really follow you in that. I really respect you and admire you. We learn from them. The next thing they say something, we go, what is that? <laughs> I thought, huh? so on the one hand, we need to stay humble and keep learning and know that God will surprise us with some of the things he says and does and asks us to do. And we need to not sort of go, no, 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 I don't do that. Or that's not, that's not what I don't believe in that. It's like, well, just open your heart up to different things. I mean, we're certainly living in strange times at the moment. We all have to keep a very humble attitude to, whoa, what do you want us to do here, God? So keep a very sweet, humble attitude. But I think also we need to know that all men have their ups and downs. So whether we, you know, looking at with this, this man of God or that man of God or Peter the Apostle, yes, Peter, or the other disciples, good on you, Peter, I really follow that revelation. The next moment, no, I, no, I'm not going to, you know. But we don't, we don't dismiss people. We don't just go, Peter, what a creep, what a write-off. I'm not, I don't, I'm not reading any more of his books. He, he's, he like, he was called Satan, like he's demonic, he's really bad. Just, just let's just be gracious towards all people because my observation with men and women of God is that they're not perfect. I know, right? I know, I know. I'm, I, I know. It's, I'm sorry to disturb you. <laughs> even me, even my husband, Chris Brown, they're, they're not, we're not perfect. But that doesn't mean we can't learn from them. We just learn from their strengths and when they do something demonically inspired, we go, oh, I don't think I'll follow that bit. You know what I'm saying? And that's okay. 
but let's not get all proud about that because we do wrong things too. But we just need to keep a, a humble attitude. You know, I just so I was talking to someone the other day that, that there was a minister who I, uh, this minister I think is beautiful, beautiful anointed person. And this person was like, no, I won't listen to them. You know, I don't, I, no. And, and she refuses to listen to that person. I'm like, well, I mean, I don't know. Like, we're not, no one's all bad. I mean, unless they're blatantly unchristian and not, proclaiming the gospel so let us be humble and let us keep a a sweet spirit and Peter actually interestingly wrote this in again in his letters later on which we'll look at in more detail 1 Peter 5 5 he says humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time so Peter the spokesman, Peter the brave one, Peter the one with the revelation, the one that walked on water, he says, just stay humble, guys. (laughs) Believe me, you don't want one of those rebukes from Jesus. (laughs) Just stay humble and and stay sweet and let us learn from one another. And, you know, even when the church started, interestingly, it wasn't Peter, it was James that was headed up the church initially. So so I just want to finish on this moment. This isn't a long story, but it's just a beautiful one, that Peter... James and John were chosen to see Jesus in his glory, what we call the transfiguration. He took three of the disciples only and he went to the mountain and he was transformed before them and became glorious. And he spoke with Elijah and he spoke with who else? Moses. And who, who obviously sort of were visiting from heaven. And it was just an incredible moment. And, you know, interesting to me that Jesus only took three of the disciples for that moment. So there's a lesson in that. Have ever you, any one of you ever had that thing where someone will say, you know, when I got saved, I saw angels and lights and this, that, and the other. And you go, all right, when I got saved, I came up the front and said, yes. <laughs> you know that? You know that? You know where people sort of say, I, I always have these dreams, I do these amazing things. And you're like, I don't, I don't get that. Don't worry. God just gives us all different experiences. And I don't know how the other disciples, well, I, I do know they didn't know about this because he told them not to tell them until later. But I wonder if, you know, Andrew kind of thought, I don't know why Peter gets to see Jesus in his glory. Like, we just have to accept we all have different moments with the Lord, and that's okay. Different favours. God is, loves us all. But, but I just, you know, that was just a great blessing, and God does give us blessing, and God blessed Peter, and he enjoyed that, but then he had to go back to, you know, paying taxes and being a husband and writing letters and getting on with everyday life. So we may have moments of greatness and we also have ordinary moments and I just have to finish on the fact that at the end of that (laughs) classic um, Peter this glorious amazing moment and Peter go Peter it says it says in Mark 9 6 he did not know what to say they were so frightened he didn't know what to say so he said do you want me to build a hut like one for you one for Moses and one for Elijah and Jesus is like what (laughs) like what Moses and Elijah, like, are in heaven, Peter. They don't need a little hut on earth. And Jesus is like, I don't really need a hut either. It was just such a weird 
thing to say. So, you know, Peter is an encouragement because he's just so up and down. He has this glorious revelation of Jesus. Like, yeah, let's build a hut. He had to learn not to speak so much. Like, Peter, just, 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 yeah, just shush, exactly. Just don't, don't say it. Peter, just don't say it. So, look, God used Peter. We will look at, you know, more of Peter's life as we go on. But we see this, this amazing life, this up, the ups and downs, the man of action, the man of revelation, and yet he made big mistakes. He sank in that ocean. He rebuked Jesus. He made mistakes. But God was training him. That was part of the training. So be encouraged. If you feel like, I'm making mistakes, I'm up, I'm down, I'm, I'm good, I'm bad. It's like, of course, so was Peter. But we, we are learning about him now. He was a great man of God. So be encouraged. If you feel like you are like Peter and you have your ups and downs, that's okay. We're learning. We're disciples. That's the point. We're learning. And if we keep following Jesus, he will continue the work in us to bring us to perfection and to bring us to maturity. Praise the Lord. Okay. Hallelujah. Bless God. Let's pray. Father God. I just pray for everyone here, Father God, everyone listening, that we would be encouraged. I pray especially for those people who are feeling down. They're on the downside of things. Lord, you love us and you just lift us up. You just lift us up. I pray that you would just, I just, anyone who's feeling down, just reach out your hand to Jesus. Say, Lord, I feel like I'm sinking. I'm having a moment. And just know that he is going to pull you up. So that's okay. Come on. Up you come, just as he did with Peter. Thank you, Lord. You don't let us sink. You save us. You look after us. Even if we feel like we're sinking, you look after us. And we thank you so much. You're training us and we are teachable, Lord God. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. Power in the name